This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast and season's greetings to you. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Uh, for all the phrases out there, just to make you feel totally welcome in this festive period as well. My name is Billy Grant. And I'm sitting here from the uh, Christmassy virtual joint. We're sitting there after Christmas, actually, after eating lots of whatever you eat at Christmas. I know there's lots of turkey and pies and all sorts of stuff. I had a curry on Christmas Day. I had my uh, Christmas dinner traditional Christmas dinner the day before the, the Scandinavian day on Christmas Eve and then I went out for a curry on Christmas Day as you do into the East End and it was very nice indeed and I was very happy and I had my Brentford crackers there with uh, all the questions coming out you know who, who scored the goal against Blackburn in 1989 of course I was right in there with the answers like you know what I'm saying so yeah we had a bit of a Christmassy Brentford curry in town and it was very busy as well Lady, how are you? Good. Happy Christmas, everyone. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, really good. Got a bit of, fighting a bit of a cold, but um, yeah, yeah, I had a really good day yesterday with my family. Um, yeah, looking forward to a bit of football today. Going to see a bit of non-league a little bit later on, as our team don't play till tomorrow, um, the day after Boxing Day. So it gives us an extra couple of days um, for our players to get vaguely fit because we're down to the bare bones. So uh, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a Brentford-free Christmas period, but. Um, full of festive fun, Bill. So, yeah, looking forward to tomorrow, though. Definitely full of festive fun. And tell you something as well, I'm actually really... I mean, there's a lot of people a bit gutted because, um, in a way, as you know, I was... Uh, instead of sitting there watching a the game, I mean, instead of planning our trip up to Manchester, as we should have been doing last Saturday, because Manchester City decided to go and take the money in Saudi Arabia instead. So they, they, they forsake a game. You know, our game was on. You know, so... And people laugh about the things that you do, but I ended up in the shed with, with Cartel B, Darren the Cartel B, building in the garden, building a shed, you know, with the old computer in the shed that we were building, watching whatever Premier League game that we could find. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I was actually watching Bournemouth versus um, Nottingham Forest, as you do. Um, you know, from the shed that was being built in the garden as well. So, and it's funny because you still have to find your football fix in some way and I could have gone off to maybe a non-league game that day but I decided actually to do my duties do my B&Q duties get the shit up and running with the cartel B and watch the, the Premier League games as well but you're you're getting your you're, you're getting your fix today aren't you lady yeah 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 I'm gonna go go wandering and uh, gonna go and see yeah see uh Chertsey Town today actually I think I'm right. gonna see them um and uh yeah I, I, they're top of their league it's a good little good little ground down there it's a few Brentford there um it's a few it's a few like lots of like premiership teams and other 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 clubs like like you see in non-league you know everyone's got a second team but yeah I've been down there a few times and it's uh it's good yeah so I'll go go there take my nephew um, and my my brother-in-law and um we all have, have a couple of drinks and uh all, all is good it's like a, a non-pressured football experience you know what I mean it's I hope they do win but it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't upset me too much if they don't so um but uh, yeah yeah well yeah loyal but tomorrow's a different kettle of fish 
definitely kettle of fish. You talk about your nephew as well. I've actually just booked my tickets to to Frankfurt to and from me into puns and soups and all that lot. We've been booking trains and planes and automobiles to and from Germany, which is a separate issue as well. But it's quite good. The things that you do in and around Christmas, but looking forward as well. So I've got all sorts of Eurostar journeys taking place. And yes, Frankfurt, which is where your nephew lives, is actually well and truly on the cards, Laney. So I've booked me my flight back from Frankfurt. I've booked my train back out to Cologne and all sorts of stuff. And it's, it's working out quite um quite relatively reasonable as well Absolutely. if you, yeah if you're looking at all the all the travel that takes place so i'm actually looking forward to it very much so we might have to get the cards the, the, the kings of the corner again Lainey, mm. kings of the corner well, i'm sure i'll be there as well i'm not quite as organized as you but um, I'll, I'll be there that's right i even put the kids the kids come out as well so there's a weekend game as well which is going to be the 16s not say i'm counting my chickens <laughs> before they're hatched by england i'm going to get through the 16s first knockout stage so i've got got the kids coming out as well for that one as well so there's going to be plenty of Eurostar action going on like you know we've got the old yeah the cards and a few little drinks coming out and stuff so i'm looking forward to that already already you see this big well, it's a big 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 football new year isn't it i mean you know we're looking forward to ivan tony coming back into the new year and um, we've got a couple of games we've got wolves and we've got palace away then hopefully we've got the january transfer window which will iron out a few of our kind of frailties um we've got a lot of players coming back from injury um, you know, it's good to see Kevin Sharder back on grass. Um, you know, uh, Brian and Bumo's probably a little bit longer than that, and obviously Rico and Hickey are longer than that. Um, Christopher I should be out. Well, we got Jensen, who's back in contention for the Wolves game, so it's, it's good. I just think we're going to have a little bit more um, of a kind of A team look about us um, rather than a B team look about us, which we have the last couple of games. So, yeah, it's, it's there's a lot to look forward to in the new year, including the England in the, uh, the Euros, mate. So, yeah. uh, a big 2024. Indeed. And talk about looking forward to it. Now we've got the Palace game. We're going to try and get a podcast out before the Palace game as well. But as you know, we uh, we sometimes find booze. We, we actually we, we actually pre, pre-prepped you with a little boozer for the Sheffield match, which was really good because it was actually really busy. There's loads of bees inside there. So thanks for coming down on that. It was good to meet the bees somewhere for Palace as well which is quite a hard away game so maybe like I said you get in touch with us and we'll let you know we've got a little secret squirrel for the Palace game because it's uh, very very hard but anyway we shall move on because tell you something forget about Palace forget about crystals forget about sort of jewellery forget about all that stuff let's come back to Villa right okay because mm. we played Villa okay before the Christmas period and uh, it didn't go according to plan. We're going to go away, have a little drink, a little bit of a Christmas drink. Maybe I might have a little port, one of Laney's ports that he bought. And then I'll come back and we'll talk about Villa. Aston Villa came to New Griffin Park, as we call it. I know some people aren't happy with us calling it that. But for me, I'm going to explain the reason why. OK, I believe in history. Yeah, this is me personally, you know what I'm saying? And the fact is, I see that when sometimes when clubs brand right their grounds, with a corporate sponsor and then when that corporate sponsor moves on that brand loses its identity because it's got no name so i like when there's a name associated and you can put the sponsor in there but if it's got no name to it and the sponsor moves on it loses its identity and it's interesting the emirates has become the emirates forever because basically emirates can never leave arsenal because if it doesn't then they just have no name you know what i'm saying but there's other clubs that you've seen them you've got the b jam stadium that turns into the how fixed stadium it turns into something else and it just keeps on just changing its name all the time and for me i just think listen marketing people have to be a little bit cleverer as to how to retain a club's identity so that that ground is always the ground but also the sponsor kind of comes in because when that sponsor goes then they go no they're, they're happy with the club but after six or seven years it doesn't fit in with their marketing policy anymore and they move yeah, I've been. I'm happy with GTech though. You know, I, 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 I'm really not happy with Brentford Community Stadium. I, I think it's a, you know, it's, a, it's an honourable name, but I, I don't, you know, it's not, it's not a good name for a for a new stadium. Um, and when GTech come along, and I know it's a long, long term deal. Um, that's it's all right, but we, we've been calling it New Griffin Park since it was being built. You know, so um, you know it, if. Yeah, it's, it's it's a bit whatever. I know it's not worth it's not worth uh, getting angry about anyway. I know. Not, <laughs> like, no. Absolutely, absolutely not getting angry at all. <laughs> we're, sit, we're sitting there with our party looking Christmas and like Brentford sitting yeah. in 14 positions, so we're not happy, angry at all. But I just thought we'll explain our position here as well, Laney, and everyone each to their own. And you know, yeah, I call it I call it G Tech more than you do, but I'm happy to call it New Griffin Park as well. It's just like it's a bit whatever, isn't it? <laughs> 
Yes, but anyway, so we should move on. But like I said to you, things didn't go too well down at New Griffin Park on Saturday. Um, although, well, it's actually over a week ago because, like I said, we had no games before that. And the reason why is, um, well, Aston Villa come down. And I know I've got lots of Aston Villa mates. They're really scared of playing Brentford. They've only beaten us a couple of times in the in the last, I don't know, loads of times that we've met since we've been in the championship. Um, they, I think they beat us one when we were in the championship and they also beat us. They smashed us last season as well. But other than that, we've kind of, you know, we've given them a right good scene to. And they were not very happy with us at all because they expected, interestingly, when Villa first came down to the championship, they're the proper arrogant ones. They're the ones that had never been out the Premier League. And they're like, yeah, we're going to come down there, smash everybody, go back up the Premier League. Years later, they were still languishing in the championship and they were getting beaten like teams like Brentford. And I remember there was a early days, there was almost like a little bit of beef going on because we had all these people that were like really upset that we were kind of beating them all the time. And they were just kind of going, who's this Tim Pot team? And I remember that, that those early days of the championship or mid, middling days, sort of 2016, 17, I think like that. And it was quite interesting. And then I thought that the Villa fans had had started to kind of get to sort of realise, you know, their position and realise that they weren't the big team they were anymore. And they started to get a little bit more humble. And we and so we'd enjoyed going down to Villa because it was cool chatting to them. We got our Villa chums and everything like that. It's interesting, though, now because we're playing Villa and they're like kind of in the European places and they've gone out to Europe as well. And I think some of their fans are getting a little bit ahead of themselves, aren't they? Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think they, their fans had become a little bit more kind of submissive to their um, kind of like fallen from grace. You know, the, the, the championship years had kind of, uh, yeah, diluted. I mean, they are a huge club, let's be honest with you. You know, Birmingham's the second city. Um, they're the biggest club in Birmingham. Birmingham City will hate that, but that's it's just a fact. Um, their history is second to few. You know, they've, they've won the, 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 the first division of the top flight up there with the best. They've won the European Cup um, even more times than Leeds. And that they, they, they are a colossus. The you know, stadium is stunning. Uh, that it, it, I, I, I really got a lot of respect and a lot of admiration for, for Aston Villa Football Club. And as you said, I got a lot of books that I've published about Villa. I've got more coming, and you know, I, I've I've read the history, and I've, you know, I've published the first part of the 150 year book. It's probably it's up there with the best things I've ever published because it's so rich in stories and just it's 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 a great it's a great book and a great history and we've been beating them regularly so you know it's kind of like well, blimey you know it shows you how how much we've we've changed in the last 10 years um i've got a sense that their their swagger is coming back now they're 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 winning a lot of games they're high, riding high in the prem um they're still in europe their team is looking had been looking really good um I was expecting more from from Aston Villa, if I'm honest with you, when they came to GTEC a couple of weeks ago. They found themselves playing against a really makeshift, kind of second second rate, if that's not too much of an insult to some of our players. Um, Brentford team, we were cobbled together, but my God, we put up a fight, you know, um, to go ahead. Uh, you know, KLP got a, a really good goal, took it well, you know, seized it, controlled it and shot in the same movement and um Emmy Martinez didn't really get a get a look at that. But at that time there was no kind of indication about how the game was going to change and it flipped really on Ben Mee sending off, you know, getting sent off for a for a, a reckless challenge so far up the pitch, just outside, you know, the not his own defensive penalty area, but the you know the, you know, the offensive penalty area was was is you don't really want to be if you can get sent off on the pitch it's not there as a defender but you can understand why he made the challenge we were we were just given our all and um with with 11 men on the pitch our all may have been just enough to get three points point um but with 10 men on the pitch it seemed to be inevitable that uh, they were going to start creating chances but i expected more from aston villa before they scored i certainly expected more from aston villa after they scored in terms of their behaviour and I certainly expected more from Ollie Watkins or Wally Watkins as I'm going to start calling him because he really did let himself down and and I, I felt he's he's well not only jeopardised but I, I think he's he's ruined um, a lot of goodwill that he had with, with Brentford fans. So yeah his celebration 
after scoring the winning goal was was at, at the very least ill-judged and at the very most just uh, recklessly sad because you don't, you know, he's, he, we, we've shared a lot of love um, with Oli um, and we've we've taken pride in how his career's kicked on. It's almost like, you know, that's that, that's that's the that's the, the model for if you're gonna if you are gonna leave Brentford and go on and play for England and and, and, and go to a hashtag bigger club, then you do it that way. Um, and he's he's undone that as far as I'm concerned, Bill. Yeah, I mean, listen, listen, listen you read the all say there. Let's let's go to the fans, hear what they had to say about the game and about Ollie Watkins's activity after the match. The referee was just abysmal, just abysmal. Every little decision, he lost control after an hour, and everything that happened afterwards was down to him. Um, very sad the way the Watkins again did, but whatever abuse he got, standing in the net and giving it large to your fans like that, or no, his old fans. Isn't going to go down well, is it? I'm sure knowing the bloke, he's will be gutted with that, but then he ought to think about his reactions. But loads to be, loads to be happy about in terms of the performance. You know, none of us expect this boys to be that competitive today against a, a decent team, but bloody hell, they're unlikable, eh? I didn't realise they were quite as unlikable as that. It was a red card to Ben Mee on reflection, looking at what came up on the big screen. Yeah, he did go over the top, and, you know, uh, that, so that was a red card. But the rest of the yellows... Disappointed in Villa. Villa are a better team and to keep throwing themselves around the pitch and really is a bit sad. It's so quick that you can lose the respect of thousands of people that love you and are so proud of what you're doing. And then all in an instant, it's all gone. But I mean, that game was a game of, of bad refereeing. That is not a game of football. You're watching the game of drama at the end of it. And it just shows that the importance of discipline. You'd think Aston Villa would be happy and just enjoying the, the, good, the decisions that they think are going their way. But the fact that they're getting riled up means they have no respect for the referee. So you've got two teams, neither of them have any respect going on for each other, for the, for the authority that's out there. And you can see it just, it's just absolute carnage for the last 25 minutes of the game. What, what a great game uh, until the ref ruined it. And uh, no, so, I mean, I was just like, I was so frustrated. Um, I, used to, I used to moan about these northern sides coming here and just diving everywhere. But now they're, they're uh, West Midland sides. And uh, yeah, I really didn't like it. It was very, very annoying. But I think, uh, as you said, we came in this expecting nothing. But we played a really, really good game and deserved something out of that game. Uh, I don't think Aston Villa deserved to win at all. It was, it was actually quite an enjoyable game of football. End-to-end really open. We had some great little flicked-in balls behind. Not only that, we had some like quite intricate play around the box. Sometimes you're probably going to say too intricate. We could have finished off a couple of chances a bit earlier, but you know, it's well, classical Brentford, really. You can't, you can't do that. You can't go that mad and expect to get away with it. I mean, do you, do you think you could have got a booking for that? Is that something you can get booked for? Taking the shot is nothing really with standing up and uh, essentially inciting however many thousand home fans, especially when you've got a history with the club and with those fans. We come and we see a game destroyed by one person who wants to be the star of the show. Now, obviously, I'm not going to say that there's corruption involved because there clearly isn't, but there's certain ineptitude involved where this guy, Villa knew how to play him. They, they fell on the floor, they got a free kick every time. Now, are Brentford naive? No, I don't think they are, but we're a, we're a good club with good people who good people who follow it and good people who play for us that's why we love this club and they're not going to react the way Villa did if that's what you need to, to go top of the league I don't want it thanks very much there you go to fans what they had to say about the main game and also about kind of Ollie Watkins activity um Ollie Watkins uh, listen uh, I know a lot of people say uh, you're dead to me you know, they, they, they equate him to uh, Martin Rowlands, which I think is a bit strong, actually, because Martin Rowlands is quite, quite bad. What he, I mean, there's a difference between sort of, you know, what Ollie Watkins did, and we've seen it. We'll talk about that in a little bit yeah, as to what exactly happened. Um, um, I'll, I'll say what exactly what happened is that, you know, when we saw um, Ollie Watkins celebrate, and it looked quite bad because tell you what, tell you what made it worse is that he started pointing, he see pointing, and I remember people around us going, he's pointing at one person, isn't he? He's pointing at one person. Then, then the word went around and goes, it must have been something racist. Somebody must have said something racist. And there's all these words that are going around. 
But then the worst thing is that all his teammates came in, including Comza, um, who was at Brentford for 30 seconds, you know, blinking at them and he missed him. And he never wanted to be at Brentford anymore. Use that as an opportunity to start goading everybody as well. So they all piled in. So and also that obviously they were doing this sort of kind of dark arts thing before that as well so people weren't happy with them because it almost like all these gave and giving them an excuse for them all to kind of abuse us and they weren't necessarily pointing at one person they were like kind of pointing at everyone like going, yeah there you go gas stick out you brentford so that was really really annoying but what happened is that obviously and you'll check it out on the post-match podcast pride of west london uh immediately i'd gone down during the match as well and i went down to the area where ollie was pointing at and i just did the old investigation Turn around to a few characters and said, so what's going on here then? You know, why was Ollie pointing at, you know, pointing at that? And then, and one guy, you know, young lad said to me, um, this guy, and he pointed to me in front of me, he goes, he was uh, basically abusing Ollie Watkins for a lot of the game or, and, uh, and then, um, or, or a lot of a period of time. And then when Ollie Watkins scored, he basically came back and he gave it back to the bloke. So he had confirmed what Ollie Watkins said before the before the statement came out before anything came out and I actually put it on the post-match podcast and I was I was a little bit like okay fair enough you know you know not be funny mate you know why were you abusing Ollie? you know he's like you know he's initially one of us and I know he's opposition player but there's kind of ways about going about doing things but for me I was actually kind of a little bit kind of relieved that there was actually no racial incident that has gone down at all but so looking at that going back and explaining to people around me i said like you know ollie was basically pointing at one person people started to kind of understand a little bit more not saying it was right or wrong but they understood it a little bit more however when you're doing that everyone in the stadium all they can see you is pointing at the home fans right and then all your teammates coming over and giving it large okay and that's when he completely fluffed it and i think that ollie knows that he fluffed it because you could even see him and he said in his post mate oh, i'll do it again and it's kind of like you know they're probably you know listen we're not condoning the kind that did that at all you know to be quite honest with you at the end of the day it's a bit of, bit of a stupid thing to do and it's a bit of an out of order thing to do but at the end of the day as people say you know people abuse malcolm pay people abuse you know visa people abuse mbumo you know what i'm saying and they do it in a particular type of way and you know it's not saying it's right or it's wrong but that's kind of what happened okay and he could have dealt with it maybe in a different way where he'll turn around and said look i decided not to celebrate but at the end of the day the guy that abused me at the end of the day mate you know i've just got to show you that i'm bigger than that or i'm better than that but he chose his way to deal with it and it's really backfired on him and i think that he's going to be absolutely gutted um we went, I went back to the pub afterwards and I met a family. They listened to this podcast. Hope you listened to it. Uh, mum and a dad and the two daughters, two young daughters. And, and the mum said to me, my, my daughters are devastated because Ollie Watkins was their favourite player and they were so looking forward to him coming back and him doing that and then the crowds singing that they're singing against him and everything like that. They're absolutely devastated. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, when you talk about, you know, people being kind of role models and heroes, you know, you don't realise how much these things are important to so many other people. Forget about us, you know what I'm saying? But forget about the people who have, you know, 10, 12, 15, 18, 20, 20 years old who have looked up and respected you and the amount of Brentford fans that have followed him wherever he's gone because he was the player when they were younger, they followed them. So for him, he's kind of destroyed that for some people and for that i think he's that's going to make him really upset personally i, I still like ollie because i think he's a nice guy he's made a bit of a mistake he's fluffed it a little bit but i know other brentford fans will complete feel completely differently well i think this is a case of two idiots isn't it i mean the idiot the the brentford fan you know, for for why why would you why would you want to be abusing Ollie Watkins? I mean, Ollie, you know, I'm not going to get into the what Ollie Watkins has done for us. I think it's a mutually beneficial relationship. He he was good for us. We were good for him. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to get into a character assassination of you know he froze at Wembley. He didn't come up with us. He you know he he'd already gone by the time we got to the Premier League. But he he was part of that stepping stone. I don't understand why anyone or anything that Ollie Watkins has done at Brentford in a Brentfordshire or since would make you abuse him sat in the third, fourth, fifth row of, 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 the, of the game standing there screaming abuse at him what, why, that's how, what rational Brentford fan would do that for a start that, that's, that's the one thing and then what rational Brentford, ex-Brentford player would jeopardise and he must know that you know he, he could have done anything after scoring that goal and I, when, he, when, when I saw he'd scored I just thought oh no he's, don't, don't celebrate and not only did he celebrate he just it, it just got a bit warped after that you know him running down the other end of the pitch would have been bad enough you know and, and, and you know shirt off and all that you know if he'd have done that that would have been 
quite bad. Talking, but, talking of Martin Rowlands, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and it, 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 he, just, he just lost it for a moment. And um, I, I just don't, whatever, whatever was said must have been bad, but who knows, you know, it, it, regardless, you just, you just, you know, enjoy the moment. You've scored another goal. He's having an incredible season. He's scoring lots of goals for Villa. Um, you know, he's almost certainly going to be part of the the, the Euro squad if, if this carries on. Um, it, it, it's just a really bad taste moment, and it, it didn't need to happen. So yeah, you've got a question: Why on earth a Brentford fan is giving him abuse before the incident happened? And then um, uh, ju- just the reaction to that, and as you rightly explained, it was that sparked all the other Villa f- f- um, players piling in, and that's when it kind of it became a, a, um, a celebration against the home end, which, you know, it, it just it just ratcheted up the, the atmosphere and the, 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 the bad vibe. Um, and then, you know, unfortunately, the insults that came after uh, Ollie, I'm unfortunate, but not necessarily, you know, unpredictable. Um, it's it's just a just a sad end, really, and it's, he brought it a lot of it on himself. Yeah, you got the idiot, you know, giving him grief, but I don't I don't I don't think one person warrants what what he did after that. So yeah, you know, Watkins, you've uh, you've let yourself down, mate. Right, and it's gonna be interesting because uh, you know the Villa fans saying, you know, when you come to Villa next time, are we gonna give you a warm reception and all this kind of stuff? And Brentford and Villa have never really, even though they gave us all that beef before, there was nothing any between us because. Um, because you know we were Brentford and they were Villa, so we just go there and beat them, and then they get upset, and then we go home. You know what I'm saying? So there's never that. But all of a sudden, now we've got this scenario, which is probably a bit bizarre. Like you know, what I'm saying it's probably sort of moving into the sort of kind of Brentford, sort of kind of 1990s Brentford, um, Birmingham City territory. Not quite there yet at all, where we had this kind of really strange kind of relationship with Birmingham City, where we both absolutely hated each other, and every time you go there, it's like complete fireworks. You know, when they came down to us, it's complete fireworks, and they used to smash the place up and all sorts of stuff like. And I'm saying, I'm not saying we got to that stage as well, but now we've got this really weird scenario where Villa obviously are going to really want to give it to us. Brentford are going to really want to give it to them. Our fans are going to go up there. It's going to be quite sort of tetchy. They're going to have 40 odd thousand fans. We're going to have 3,000 fans. So it could be quite, quite interesting, like, you know, and just coming back to talking about Martin Rowlands. I thought I have to mention the Martin Rollins because we said that, you know, it's a parallel to Martin Rollins, who was an absolute hero, hero at Brentford. You know, this is for, this is again, if you know your history stuff, like, you know what I'm saying? Absolute hero at Brentford. We loved him. He even got his own song, Martin, Martin, you know, we got Martin Rollins. He's got Tony Folan out wide. And, his own song, and then he decides to go to QPR, scores against us, kisses his badge. But the worst one, that, I mean, that was bad, but the worst one was when he played for Leighton Orient. Martin Rowlands played for Leighton Orient and they were top of the league in that season where we, I think we ended up going up that season as well because we were top of the league and we they ended and then they ended up beating us 2-0. He scored the second goal in the end in, in front of his own fans. And what he did is that he turned around and ran the length of the pitch to basically the equivalent of the West Stand, the, the old the old Ealing Road um, stand as well, where we were all standing. He ran the length of his pitch and he was pointing at his badge as he's running the length of the pitch. They started kissing the badge and stood in front of the fans and just started kissing his badge and pointing towards it. And I was thinking, you absolute nutter. What are you doing this for? But he, he made an absolute point of basically saying, I'm going to score a goal. I'm going to run down to the other end and I'm going to completely wind you up. And after that, Martin Rowlands could not set foot anywhere in the TWA area at all. Um, you can't you can't equate Wally Watkins to that, can you, Laney? No, he's not. He's not that idiotic. No, but, but, <laughs> but you know, but it's amplified. I mean, that was League League One, and this is the Premier League. You know, it, every little incident is is magnified, and um, you know, you, you can't, especially with VAR and everything, you can't get away with anything anymore. You, you literally can't. If you do something on the pitch, you're going to get spotted. It's going to be reported on. Social media wasn't like it was like now um, when when Rollins did that, and you know it, it, it was uh, what what Watkins did was on a on a different different level um, in terms of exposure. So yeah, no, I, I don't think it was as as big a disrespect because it, it really did start off as uh, you know um, a, a, a point to prove to one person, but you know. It, it it sparked bigger 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 kerfuffle and then you know it was just one of the most ill-tempered games i can remember which which isn't in itself a bad thing because you that they're, they're those kind of feisty games are 
games that we all love, to be honest with you. You know, I don't, I don't, you don't want to see people getting hurt. Um, but, you know, play, players squaring up to each other, it's, um, you know, brawls and stuff like that. It's not, it's not great, but it's not, you know, <laughs> when, when the commentators say, well, no one wants to see this. So I'm saying, well, hold on a minute. You know, I, I quite like to see it sometimes, mate. You know what I mean? It's just like those kind of games need to happen. It's like that raw passion and that are two two sets of players that just just want to give it all and go toe to toe um sometimes it's it, it the game needs that and sometimes it sparks the game into into life and you get more goals um but yeah there was you know the sendings off and uh, just the, the brawls and both both sets of players or both clubs have been um held to account and they're, they're both gonna you know they're probably going to get fined for not controlling their players so you know the, the authorities have got involved and the authorities i'm not saying those later kerfuffles and fights wouldn't have happened but i think it was a walking incident that, that, that certainly led to the nil more pay shithousery with buendia um um sorry martinez um what happened, what happened? well so so the so Villa almost scored an own goal. There was a back pass that was overhit, and it looked like it was about to go in. I think it just went wide, or the goalkeeper got a touch, and it went wide. So we had a corner, um, and um, Morpay was was running towards where the ball had gone out, just behind, just to the as we were looking at the left of of, of the of the goal, and um, he just shoulder barged. Um, Martinez and who went down like a the proverbial sack of shit and um, <laughs> and um, kind of yeah I mean it's actually was quite it was quite a hefty shoulder to shoulder but um, he made he certainly made the most of it and he was looking looking for the referee and he was looking you know looking had had, had everyone seen what had happened and Morpe just like literally laughed in his face and uh, it, it, we got the corner and nothing nothing came of that and then later on. Um, um, Morpay went down theatrically, just taking the piss. And uh, um, Martinez, the, the he grabbed him by the, the collar and trying to manhandled him off the floor, which I think he got a book for in the end. But what actually that sparks uh, the touchline, um, touchline <laughs> fight, which which ended up with one of the Villa players being sent off. So uh, so, that, so he did his job. You can't, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah you know, cheating more, top more, wish more pay would score more goals and, and less of that at the moment, but yeah, I, if you know, if, if you he certainly serves his purpose in other ways sometimes, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a game that we'll never forget. Let's put it that way. There's, there's so many games that come and go, and you kind of have to kind of remember oh, what was the score in that one, but this one we'll remember for a long time for lots of reasons, so uh, yeah, I just wish we. We, I think we deserve to get a point out of that. I think a, a defeat um, was, was pretty harsh, but that's the way it's going at the moment. Well, and again, we're saying that. I mean, we thought that we were very much in command of that game as well uh, until the Ben Mee got sent off. And, you know, ironically, they scored two goals from, if I, if I remember right, they scored two goals from headers as well. You know, you can argue the fact that, you know, me, who literally throws his body behind the ball, was inside there uh, managing that defence. Maybe those those situations may not have happened and it would have been different. But, it's, you know, it's like one of those things, you know, you just, you know, you can go on and on and on. From an XG perspective, and we said we've got the uh, the Bees breakdown posse, they're having a good old Christmas break now. So, we decided to let them off today and we'll just actually throw a few of these stats ourselves your way uh, 0.51 xg to brentford to 1.42 so they made a lot of high a lot more i mean we we, we didn't create that many chances i mean we scored the, you know the goal that we scored as well I haven't checked out the exact xg on that goal as well but it was a fairly low uh, opportunity chance as well i mean he, he took it really well he had players in front of him sort of kind of blocking him that could have been blocked at any stage and uh, like i said your ball went in the back of the net but villa i think after they went off they created quite a few opportunities as well and obviously took two of them uh, very well so that was actually very very disappointing just coming back to that game as well just finally as well um laney the referee there's a lot of unhappiness with the referee and there's been a lot of unhappiness with referee and we can go on and talk about referees till the cows come home but there's an argument to say that the referee really lost it in this game he actually completely lost control and that's also part of the reason why it all kind of kicked off players get sending off there was all sorts of brawling and stuff going on don't you think yes um i think it was the consensus that the referee lost the respect of the players he lost his authority in the first half uh, there was a big 
penalty call where Ben Nee was kind of wrestled to the ground. I, I thought it was a penalty. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Because of what, you know, where we stand is is a per, we had a perfect view of him being wrestled to the floor. There was there was arms around his neck. Whether you know the 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 the, the, the scuffle or the the exchange was even to start with, where we're both pulling each other. Regardless of that, it ended with a, an absolute foul. You know that he was he was. Both hands around his shoulders and his neck, and he was dragged to the floor. That, that, that's a that's a foul in anyone's book, and it being a penalty area was a penalty. Um, referee, it went to VAR, I think, or didn't go to VAR. I can't remember if it went to VAR or not. But it, it, the referee wasn't interested, um, and I think I think Villa realised that they could get away with a fair amount after that, and they, they did. And um, McGinn, in particular, was a whinging little shitbag. And he, he wasn't having it his own way. And I spoke to my Villa fans, um, my Villa friends afterwards about him. And he said he's used to kind of just bossing that midfield where he gets the ball and he's, he's that quarterback kind of role. He, he, he turns, he's got a good turn on him and he's got a big arse on him. That's that what they said. And what he does, he kind of backs into um, the opposition and he, and, he, and he kind of manufactures like fouls he, he gets contact where players will kind of just jostle him and he'll go down and he wasn't getting those decisions and he, he said we did really well we got two players on him and whatever way he turned there was there was a player there to kind of nick the ball off of him or or, or challenge him or put a little bit of a late one in, on him not not a malicious fouls but he wasn't getting it his own way and he was getting really stroppy you could see it and he being the captain, he was able to speak to the ref and it looked like he was in his ear the whole game. And it looked like he was influencing the, the, the referee's decisions. Um, and, you know, it, it, it became, the second half in particular, I, I couldn't believe that the referee hasn't given them any bookings at all. Um, for for fouls, you know, some of them were, were were pretty, you know, pretty professional fouls. Um, and then we started picking up a foul every time we touch the ball it seemed um, so yeah it, it was a very very one-sided and very odd um, refereeing performance and I, I, I certainly feel that the referee did lose his authority in that first half and it, it, it kind of it didn't spark everything but it contributed I, I feel for sure yeah, and, and just looking at the game you know, for Brentford their, their strengths they stole the ball from Aston Villa quite a lot as well and uh, basically our weakness is we're aggressive and we're caught offside often okay um, Aston Villa they were effective at creating goal scoring opportunities from the flanks as well as from set pieces and they were strong at finishing they're also aggressive their top players according to whoscored.com were Ollie Watkins and Moreno as well so Ollie Watkins at the top then Moreno as well then we had Keen Lewis Potter and Damsgaard for us and then we had Diego Carlos for the Villa um, just talking about referees as well, though, you know, saying you're talking about the referee. Tell you what we're going to do. We're going to go over to JB because JB has got facts and funks. His, his, his Christmas, his seasonal facts and bunks. And tell you something, you've been talking about referees. I've been talking about referees. JB is also talking about referees in his facts and his funk. Welcome Virgil back again. Aston Villa regularly reappeared in our fixture lists from 2016. Since then we've had four wins and a draw in our home league meetings. 
Prior to Sunday, it had been 76 years since Villa had taken all the points from a visit to us. When Ben Mee saw red, it was the first time a Brentford player had ever taken an early bath during any Villa game. It's the first time one of our defenders has been sent off in a home game since Chris Mepham in Thomas Frank's very first game in charge in October 2018. Mee's return game after suspension will be the Forest game, the same as Ivan Tony's. It'll come as no great surprise that our player seeing a total of six yellow cards is the highest in our Premier League history, and a combined ten in the game is equally so. Plus, of course, there were two reds. Already this season, there was a combined eight yellows at Newcastle, which at that stage equaled our previous worst, the 2-2 at Leeds two years ago, when there was a last-minute equaliser for the home side. The referee that day was also Mr Coote. He has now refereed five of our Premier League games, which have ended in two draws and three defeats for us. During these games, he's shown an average of five yellow cards for both sides combined. That compares to our Premier League average of 3.2 per match. Back in our original top tier seasons, manager Harry Curtis had a distinct advantage in the understanding of matchday officials, as before he entered management, he'd been a referee. Alf Kappa was the first ever bee to be sent off in 1922. He was dismissed in a game at Newport by referee Harry Curtis. So there you go, JB, Facts and Funk and Coot. Coot turns up all over the place for referee. Even Harry Curtis is turning up all over the place for refereeing. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we can get you to referee, Dave. You know, I might referee if we can. You get Thomas Frank to referee. You know, a few matches out there as well. Like, you know, we'll see how it goes. But anyway, listen, we're going to move on from that Villa game. You know, it's going to go in, in the annals of history. And like I said, we look forward to the return game in probably sort of March or April next year, where we'll see if the beef will have kind of sizzled itself in the oven then. It's actually going to get itself a little bit kind of, you know, medium rare, or maybe mm. even kind of a little bit, you know, a little bit well done by that stage, maybe. <laughs> but anyway, listen, we have got a game um, on Boxing Day plus one, as we call it. You know, we're going to play Wolverhampton Wanderers. We're going to go away. We're going to have another, I'm going to have a look, another sip of that port. Ladies port, actually. Ladies, tell us about this port. You got it from MS. Very, very nice port, actually. So it went down very well with the cheese. Uh, we're going to have a little sip of port. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the Wolves. Wolverhampton Wanderers coming down to New Griffin Park. And it's interesting. I'm talking, I'm, we're talking about the sort of games that you never forget. Um, and Wolves came down that time, and there's, there's a drone. The first, I think, it's the first game that we played against them, and there was a drone up in the sky. Um, Wolverhampton Wanderers game uh, at New Griffin Park, um, first season. And uh, did the game get stopped? Um, I think the game yeah, was stopped. Yeah, the game got stopped because there's a drone in the sky. I mean, how bizarre was that? You know, that, there was that, that sort of drone gate. There was quite a few sort of drone incidents then. And uh, yeah, I mean, we don't know. We think that somebody might have been flying it from uh, maybe from the new flats or something like that. And uh, you just never know what they could be sort of kind of dropping or were they doing it to sort of kind of for sort of legal betting incidents. I don't know anything like that. But that was actually really bizarre. I'm sure there was a helicopter that came over as well at some stage in that, that was, game as well, that wasn't was it? Second, like, it was a weird one, wasn't it? It was the there was a clash of heads with um, uh, Rico and. Matty Jensen wasn't there, and then um, then the drone players went off, and then there was a, a referee in like um, communications malfunction. The second half was delayed, and then there was a, a helicopter that hovered over the West End for pretty much well 15, 20 minutes. So it's obviously something to do with the drone. Um, yeah, we were doing all right up until the, that incident, and I think probably the disruption, you know caused us to to drop points like um, the villa game like the villa game yeah we're doing all right until, until some some pesky kid comes along and, and and ruins it for everyone but yeah it was it it there's it's been you know like, there's lots of games where we're doing all right until something happens and uh um we haven't we, have, we haven't beaten wolves have we at our place we beat them, we beat them away that was the first that was the first away win of of being in the prem i think wasn't it that's and, right uh, yeah. yeah yeah i think Ivan tony we, we did yeah, we we need to we need to do them at our place, don't we? Yeah, we do need to do them at our place. And just actually, going to cast your mind as well. Um, I've just done a, I've done a review. I do um, reviews in the Observer newspaper as well. So if you've got a, a, a firm copy of the Observer newspaper, just go in there and check the Premier League fans reviews. It's like the half term reviews as well. It's also online. I think on Guardian.co.uk as well. And if you could just go and check the half term reviews, all the fans from Arsenal to you know Bournemouth, 
Brentford, you know, Luton and everyone inside there as well. And uh, like I said to you, I put the uh, Brentford half-term report saying how happy or unhappy I was with us and the manager. And also it asked a question about VAR, which we talked about, like I said to you, in the Eston Villa section as well. Do you get rid of it? Do you tweak it or do you keep it as well? And I just put my little comment in there saying I think that it needs to be tweaked, you know. Um, but go and check it out. It needs to be tweaked because at the end of the day, it's like I think there's too many decisions have been used for VAR. And at the end of the day, I think we should, if somebody makes a mistake, the referee makes a mistake, let him make a mistake over those 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 little decisions. I think the bigger decisions are the one that we need VAR for, and they need to be made very, very quickly. But no one needs to shoelace offside because VAR was initially used to stop goal hanging, right? And goal hanging was when somebody used to hang out in the goal, which is like very, very far away from where the ball is normally being played. And it's been adapted, which I understand. But at the end of the day, I just think it's been completely and utterly over-adapted and you don't need it. You don't, it doesn't really matter if somebody is a shoelace offside. It's not going to affect the game, but we shall move on from that. Like I said, you check it out or on the Brentford Twitter as well. We put a little thing out on that, the Guardian newspaper, uh, Observer newspaper, half-term report for all the Premier League fans. Um, but just coming back to this Wolves game, tell you something, let's go to Wolves. And let's find out what they have to say about their team. We've got Dave from Talking Wolves. He's going to give us the lowdown on Wolverhampton Wanderers. Hi, folks. This is Dave from Talking Wolves. Uh, obviously, giving my thoughts ahead of this uh, the fixture, Brentford versus Wolves. Um, <clears throat> obviously, with the, the games coming thick and fast with the Christmas period, it's going to be interesting to see how... Um, Wolves line up and how Brentford line up, obviously, in, in, in regards to the quality of the football with the players having so many fixtures and whether the teams will rotate. But um, yeah, so far for Wolves this season, I think if you um, start, well, if you go back to August and you offered Wolves fans to be sitting in 11th place on Christmas Day, I think they, you know, we would have been more than happy. We would, we would have taken that. We had such a strange scenario in the summer where Yulan Lopetegui, who's in charge uh, at the club, sort of kicked up a little bit of a fuss about uh, the money and the finances because basically he was told at the end of last season that the club were going to tighten the purse strings and um, he didn't really like that. Uh, he gave the, the board and the club an opportunity to see how things started in pre-season and we had a really strong pre-season but we didn't bring many players in and two weeks before the season he told the club he wanted to, to leave, he wasn't happy. Walls obviously ended up sorting that out with him um, and on about four days' notice before the start of the Premier League season, that's when Gary O'Neill came in. So I think, considering the situation that Wolves were in right at the start of the campaign, um, we're, we're actually doing okay. Uh, you know, there's been that's a, that's a word I keep using really, okay, because there have been some fantastic wins. You know, most recently, Christmas Eve game, uh, beating Chelsea, we've beaten Manchester City, we've beaten Tottenham all at home. But the concern is that. We're losing and we're dropping points away from home. Um, you know, we've drawn to Luton, we lost to Sheffield United, we dropped, you know, we lost to Palace towards the start of the uh, the season away. Most recently, we we lost to West Ham quite heavily away. So that's really Wolves have got to try and find that balance between the home form and the away form. But in regards to where we are right now, we're you know I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm happy with with uh, where we are. But obviously, there's still so much room um, for for improvement, really. So. I'm really happy, obviously, with the more recent results uh, against Chelsea. But in terms of the quality of football, there's still room for for improvement there. Four walls. The 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 sort of obviously Gary O'Neill was an interesting appointment as well to talk about him again. Um, you know, when when Lopetegui it was announced Lopetegui was going to be moving on. I don't think I don't think any Wolves fans would have would have given you Gary O'Neill as an option to come in. But saying that, when when you look at the available managers at the time, you know, managers like Graham Potter are always going to get mentioned. But I think that's probably a little bit of a stretch too far for Wolves. And plus, obviously, with the situation that we're in, it wasn't an ideal situation. Managers look at looked at Wolves and would have thought, you know what, on a few days' notice, no pre-season, a lot of neutrals predicted Wolves to struggle. This is going to be a very difficult job. And I understand that there was managers like Frank Lampard and, and so on being, being interviewed, but Gary O'Neill was the best. Um, and he's, he has impressed us, you know, he, he's got the morale and, um, you know, everything behind the scenes to a much better level than where, where it was. And in terms of goal scoring as well for Wolves, we're in a, a fantastic place in terms of scoring goals. Um, ignoring, obviously, West Ham last week, um, we scored in every Premier League game since, uh, since game week two. 
um, you know, which is fantastic. And I think in terms of home games now, we're stemming back to when Lopetegui took over. In terms of home games, we we're on a really good, strong run of form uh, scoring at home as well. So um, that's been a real bonus because Nuno struggled in his final season. Bruno Large struggled and Lopetegui struggled to get as consistently scoring goals. So that is, you know, huge props to, to Gary O'Neill for, for sorting that out. And, you know, he's still a young manager, still got lots to learn. There are still moments throughout games that you can sort of tell he's an inexperienced head coach but he switched on if you listen to him he understands he knows what he's talking about you know we've seen him on sky tv which he got a lot of praise for and he's just got to now back that up with putting in better uh, and positive results and, and getting positive um, and positive performances sorry and getting positive results on the uh, on the pitch as well in terms of the wall squad it, it's it's good it's okay it's where it needs to be i think um in terms of the quality I think there's good depth the first time in a while there's been some well i say good depth in, in a lot of areas there's good depth um but it's almost a little bit of a transitional season in terms of personnel for walls and I've, i felt like i've said that the last couple of years because when nuno left it was always going to be a big shift uh, and bruno large came in and that felt like a transitional season and then when he left the, the year after Lopetegui came in and that almost felt like a transitional season as well. So under Gary O'Neill, it very much is one of those. But Wolves now have been sort of stung too many times by the Portuguese players that, that, that George Mendes was recommending to the club. And look, it was a huge help to us in regards to getting out of the championship and in regards to us being a, a stable Premier League team. You know, I can't deny that George Mendes and his agency, guest disputes, were a huge part of to help us where we are but saying that there's players such as Fabio Silva who I do like Fabio but it's just not worked out for him at Wolves we spent over 35 million on him Gonzalo Gedge last summer we spent 40 million on him he lasted six months and, and he's, he's moved on already um, and we will definitely lose money on him he's out on loan at the moment so Wolves have sort of tried to shift away from that in terms of a recruitment policy and so looking at the squad now we are seeing you know, we brought in under Lopetegui at the start Premier League players or, or players with Premier League experience like Mario Lamina, like Craig Dawson. And I think they were a huge boost and ultimately kept us in the Premier League last season. So this season is good. I think, in, like I said earlier, in terms of the attacking threat, it's much better. But then there are one or two, you take one or two pieces out of the puzzle and it's you can see Wolves looking very disjointed, like Pedro Neto. I believe he's been injured now since uh, end of October and he's still top of the assist charts in the Premier League, which shows how good he's been. Um, he was meant to be back to the game against Chelsea, uh, but still was absent. So he may well be returning the, the squad for the Brentford game. But he was a huge player for us and he, had, he will be when he returns. Um, and I think he'll add even more to this squad because we have, we have dropped a few poor performances recently. Ryan Aitnori is the left wing back. You know, he'd been injured for a little while and we sort of struggled without him. And then he, he returned yesterday against Chelsea and I thought he was a massive boost in terms of how we were going forward. But so, you know, you take those pieces out and Wolves do struggle a little bit. So I think that's where the recruitment will have to look um, look at in, in January in, in terms of attacking players, in terms of wide players, players that have got real pace and can drive the ball forward because that's what Wolves have really missed, um, with the, obviously, under Pedro Neto. Um, in terms of you know looking at the wider you know wider Premier League, in terms of teams I expect to be in trouble, I think the bottom three currently are, are down there, but they still keep picking up results. To be honest, I think obviously Luton are doing really well. I say that they're doing a lot better than I think a lot of people expected. Um, Sheffield United as well and, and Burnley, but like I said, they're still get, getting some half decent results. Forest could be down there. Um, I don't think the Nuno appointment's a bad one. Um, but I would say out of those four, I think three of them would would, would go down, to be honest. Um, but it'd be, you know, it'd be fantastic to see Luton do stay up, to be fair to them. But I just don't think, you know, across a whole season, have they got that quality to compete consistently? I, I don't think so. Um, in terms of Brentford, you know, you guys are a stable Premier League team now. You know, you just, it's just sort of one of those. And I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but um, I don't think anyone is expecting, you know, start of the season, no one was expecting Brentford to go down. But no one was really expecting Brentford to, to knock on the door for European football. And I suppose you could take that as a compliment because, you know, it shows how far Brentford have come in such a short space of time and how well you're coping without Ivan Tony. I think that's a, you know, a huge bonus to you guys, you know, if he can come back in and whenever he's back available and kick on and be in the same sort of form that he was in last season. 
and you keep him obviously until the summer. I think that's going to be a big boost to Brentford because um, obviously you have been dropping little points here and there, but I still think you you know you're in a comfortable position. Um, and some of the players have stepped up. I think Brian Buemo is obviously a, a big one for you guys. I believe he might be injured. Um, he would have been the one I think I would have would have picked out. Um, so. I, I don't know. I think, you know, Brentford are, I've got some quality. I think the back line, you know, you've got some good leaders in, in that squad as well. And Thomas Frank, you know, has, has really shown up and, um, you know, really strengthened in regards, you know, Brentford now, like I said earlier, a stable, established, you couldn't say established Premier League team now. I think another year or so, you can definitely say Brentford are an established Premier League team. And uh, I think a lot of people, when you boys came up, were expecting you to go straight back down. So credit to the, the squad, credit to the fans, obviously, for backing the team. And obviously, credit to Thomas Frank as well, who I'm sure if... Uh, no, I'm surprised, you know, the more big jobs that he's not he's, he's not linked with them, to be honest. And I think that shows a good sign of loyalty towards Brentford as well. <laughs> Looking ahead at the game, though, I'm just... I'm concerned in regards to Wolves away form, um, but it ultimately depends on how Brentford play. I think it, what Wolves like to do is allow the other team to have a lot of the ball, sit deep and try and launch counter-attacks. And that's that's where we take advantage. It happened against Chelsea uh, this week at home and, and, and ultimately it worked. Whereas last week against West Ham, although we were away, West Ham allowed us to have a lot of the ball, sat really deep. And that meant Wall's high line, uh, Wall's defensive line creeped high, and and that's how West Ham got us, but stung us with with three clinical counter attacks, with our mistakes in there as well, and that's what we need to sort of get get rid of. But um, I think it's going to be a tricky game. I, w I would probably take a point, considering we beat Chelsea as well. I think a, a point on the road against Brentford is, is going to be a welcome, uh, a welcome point to add to our tally. Uh, if not, I think it'll be a goal either way. I don't think any of the, either side will run away with it. Both teams have had an okay season. I think both sets of fans will look at this game and think we can get something out of it, but both sets of fans will probably want to be slightly higher on the table as well. Um, so, yeah, I think a goal either way. If not a 1-1, I'll, I'll take every day of the week. And obviously, we'll see you boys again in the FA Cup in a couple of weeks' time. But, um, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Like I said, my name's Dave from the Talking Wars podcast and um, we've got you guys coming on our match preview as well. But apart from this game and apart from the FA Cup third round, guys, uh, all the best for the rest of the season. And, um, yeah, thanks for having me. So there you go, Dave from Talking Wolves. Obviously very, very happy because they take a leaf out of our book and they beat Chelsea, just like we beat Chelsea. So after they beat Chelsea, they're very happy, just like we were very happy. Uh, but the difficulty is they're going to come into the Brentford game feeling very buoyed by the fact they just beaten Chelsea and we've had a week off um, having some Christmas pudding. But we'll sort of see because obviously we'll have some players come back. And I think the big questions now for us is who is back, who is not back, who's going to play, who's not going to play. Because I've done a feature on Dave's Talking With Wolves podcast. And to be honest, you're struggling a little bit as to who's going to be playing in our team because you don't know who's going to be back. You don't know who's still injured. You don't know if you've got enough defenders to go, you know, four at the back, you know, as we normally play against Wolves. So do we have to go three at the back, stroke five at the back because just of the players that we've got? I don't know. Obviously, first of all, Laney, there is no Ben Mee, which is a bit of a shame because it's almost like really weird because Ben Mee has become almost like a sub defender for us he's off the bench defender because of his injuries and he's been out and you've got Nathan Collins who's coming in almost like taking his place but now that he's come back you're thinking oh this is great we've got our sub defender coming back but he's a good defender and now he's out on a red card and now you're thinking god who's going to finish place because yeah okay Nathan Collins has just come up back in he's just been off of injury but you've got Ethan Pinnock and Nathan Collins okay who would probably play two at the back um, but then then who goes at, at right back? Do you put kind of, you know, do you put Rosliff at right back? Do you put um, Godos at left back? Or do you, you know, or, or, or what do you do? Or do you decide to go three at the back and decide to put Zanka in there as well and play with the wing backs? This is a little bit of a kind of, maybe a bit of a dilemma for Thomas Frank, or, or maybe it's not. Yeah, it, it, it's it's unfortunate just when you're getting your players back, for, you know, to fitness, you've got, you, you don't really want one back, they're fit, and then one going out because they're suspended. But that just seems the way we're going. He, we do miss me, his organisation, his positional um, sense and he, the way he kind of arranges um, and, and, and encourages the younger players around him. You know, he's, he's, he's proved he's worth his weight in gold. Um, so, yeah, he is a miss. But, you know, we have got Collins 
coming back, I guess that's that's the you know that's the the, the saving grace there. You're going to lose one and get one back there, um, and hopefully there's no more injuries in, in our defence because you know if we don't we don't really want to go go any any kind of deeper into the squad than than, than that. So he's he's going to miss a couple of games, isn't he? Um, is it two or three? It's a straight red, wasn't it? it? He, well, he's not back until, as JB said, he's not back until the the, the Ivan Tony game, the Nottingham Forest yeah, game. So, so he's not back until the twentieth of January. So he's out for a good period of time. Yeah. So I'm, you know, there is a plus side to that. He's, he's rested, but you know, um, the, the, the minor side is that we prefer him to be in, you know, contention for a start. Let's, let's be honest. So yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see how we do set up tomorrow. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm re- reading reading between the lines and reading, you know. Uh, the Brentford um, website page and the, their Twitter. It looks like Jensen's coming straight back into that team. Um, and so we've got to work out how we set up our midfield. Um, uh, I'm, the, I'm going to ask a question just quickly. Do you think, because obviously, like I said to you, you know, we've got, um, I mean, we've talked about the defence, right? So let's move into midfield now. Obviously, we've got Norgard. Um, you know, we've got Damsgaard who's been coming in and he's been actually doing quite a few, you know, good things and sort of kind of some really interesting, incisive plays when he's played as well. Um, but he's in and out, Damsgaard. Do you, but do you think with Jensen being out for so long, he's going to come straight back in the side? Or do you think we're going to put him in the bench and bring him on? I, I think he comes straight back personally because he's having that good a season it depends i mean i don't think we bring players back if they're just about fit i, I don't think we risk it because it you know you can regress and it, you, you lose him for even longer so I, I think i think he's you know match fit he, he wouldn't be starting or he wouldn't be you know back in the team if he, if he wasn't you know 100 percent. so um if, if he is 100 percent, i think he starts um but you're right you know we i think Damsgaard's proved that he's come on and had an impact whether he's a 90 minute player maybe maybe he's the one that you have as, as a sub but you, you need to work out how you how you work out a midfield with with Jensen and Damsgaard and Norgaard um, and uh, Yenel. Um, uh, it, it, it's it's getting that mixture of the, the defense and the and, and the creative uh, mix just just right um, you know I I I'd say that you know um, I'd say that um, Godos is probably going to be at left, and um, big game Mads will be be at right, um, right, you know, wing backs. So I, I don't, I don't think we're going to have Yanel playing in a sort of an out and out defensive role. So you would, there's no way that we're going to we're going to drop Yanel. So it's 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 working out. It's, it's, a, it's a better problem for for Thomas Frank to work out how you get that blend in the middle. Um, but it's it's a it's a nice, it's not actually a problem. It's just having all, all your players available. We're not we're not quite used to it. Yeah, and and obviously we and KLP looks like they're going to be um, yeah. up front as well as as we do. Like I said, you you're going for the the the, the Roslev and the Godos combination which like I said to you is something you know like I said you're going three straight five at the back and we normally go four three three um against sides again this is not disrespect to Wolves but we just play differently against different sides but it looks like we might flip it up in this game just because of the personnel that we've got available so uh, I think it's going to be really really interesting I mean all the Hampton Wanderers you know they've got you know Neto they've got Hunya you know they've got He Chan who's been scoring you know it's eight goals this season you know it's a good player uh, you know um and Maria Lamina as well in the CDM uh, who's going to be interesting to see? You know, who's going to be at the battle of the of the midfielders? Like you know what I'm saying, who's going to be able to control that midfield? So look, they've got some really good players. They've got a good manager as well. You know, I respect their manager, uh, which is all good. But listen, you know, it, it again, it comes down to the fact that we've had a break. They haven't had a break. They've had the Chelsea game. You know, we've got players coming back. You know, if, if Jensen plays, plays, it's going to be a massive difference. So I'm going to come around to you, Laney, and I'm going to ask you, what do you reckon? What's the score prediction? It's going to be a real toughie, mate. Um, I've got a lot of respect for Wolves, the way they play. Um, Gary O'Neill, as you mentioned, he's, 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 top, he's a top boy. Um, it's going to be really, really tough, I think. Um, they're probably favourites. My heart, my head is saying they're going to beat us, but I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. Ah, and you've come for my 1-1 as well. I was on the Bulls podcast, uh, Talking Bulls, and I said 1-1 as well. I'll be happy with the 1-1 draw because I think we just need to week out results until yeah. the Ivan-Tony period when he comes back. And that's going to be a big bang day, that. It was, you know, me coming back, Tony coming back. I think we'll have all sorts of players back by then. So, and we'll just be after... Getting, and... Need to start getting points again, mate. As you said, you just need to get 
get those points ticking over again. You know, three three more defeats on the trot. It's not, it's not great sometimes. No, no, it's not. But you know, like I said to you, it's not. It's a it's a, it's a nine month season, Laney. It's a marathon, not a sprint. I have to remember that one. Yeah, that's right. Which is all good. But listen, this is the besotted pride of West london podcast thanks for buying us a beer besotted.com forward slash beer thank you for everybody um for your christmas cheer and everything like that as well we look forward to seeing you either in the boozer we i think we're gonna start off in richmond we might go ted lasso style on uh on on on, on tuesday uh, plus uh, on tuesday boxing day plus one um boxing now uh, today's tuesday what i'm talking about it's wednesday's wednesday. boxing day plus one isn't it so yes. i think paul buckle the old ex-brentford player as well you know he is going to be coming out and i think he's going to be out having a few drinks with us uh before the match like i said the ex-bees player so we're looking forward to having a few drinks with the buckle um, on Boxing Day plus one. Uh, and like I said to you, that, then we've got the Palace game, which we'll try and talk about in a few days after that as well. But like I said to you, my name's Billy Grant, and I have a good Christmas cheer, and I've got Lenny in the place. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you too. Enjoy your day at Chertsey. I'll enjoy my day with my shed down there as well, Lenny. <laughs> and we shall, uh, we shall catch you in the Bulls game before the Boozer. Someone else who's saved. Come on, you Christmas beast. Come on, you Go down to the globe, as we say. Come on, you bees. It's been the wolves. Have some more port. Yes. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.